trade school or degrees in a trade are trending up. And I think it's because people want actual jobs when they graduate. Programs that train you in a specific job can come with a big price tag. So in today's episode, we're going to give you real guidance on how to pay for trade school. We're going to cover a lot of information today. We're your hosts, Jennifer Cook DeRosa and Shelly Cloutier, and you're listening to College on the Cheap. Welcome, everyone. You know, I have something for you to imagine. Imagine going into a restaurant and there aren't prices on the menu. Now imagine you don't have any money. That's often the case with education. People want the item, but they don't have the money. Luckily, colleges and schools swoop in by helping you borrow it all. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it is usually financially devastating. Yeah, I mean, it's important to know two people can go to the same college. They can come in with different amounts of credit, hopefully that they've earned ahead of time. They can study different subjects. They actually end up paying different amounts. So these students' earning potential can also be different because once they get out and start working, their repayment plans can look different. So unfortunately, there's no one at the college who is going to talk to you about these things. And while life is happening, it's happening so fast, you probably are already in the financial aid office ready to sign your papers before you even think about that loan. So the cool thing about trade school, and when we talk about trade school today, we're really talking about vocational schools, career schools, career technical education, really anything where the purpose is to get you from point A to point B with a job. So these types of programs, which seem kind of non-traditional and alternative, right? Like it used to be when you went to college that it was more for a liberal arts education, but I think because the cost is so high that people really want to be employed when they graduate. They want that, that job training. They want to you know, be able to land a job. So when this works, when you go to these programs, you can get into a career right away. So this is a big advantage over someone who has a degree in something more vague, something like liberal arts. And this is not a bash on liberal arts, um, but we're going to talk about specifically the types of programs that get you trained for a job and get you into some kind of a working situation. So just a quick, quick background. In, in 2016, one of the country's largest for-profit trade schools, ITT Technical Institutes, went bankrupt. And part of their criticism was that they were pressuring students into these large student loan debts. And just shortly after, in 2018, the Education Corporation of America closed 70 of their uh, for-profit trade schools. So this left about 20,000 students hanging without their degree. And of course, many of them had student loans. So the thing about trade schools and these trade programs is they do cut down on the amount of time it takes to get trained. And because they're giving you kind of this, this fast path to getting out and getting working, these programs tend to be very, very expensive. And 
because they're so expensive, you might be tempted to take on the debt. So that's the purpose of today's podcast. We're going to talk about how to get through these trade school programs without the debt, or if you do have to borrow to do it in the most minimal way so that you're not, you know, really over borrowing. I didn't realize these trade schools were, were so expensive. Well, you know, it's, it's often, it's a lot of money right in the beginning. So it might be a six month program. It might be a three month program, but it might be, you know, 20, $30,000. Now my local state university offers a degree in computer science, for example. Now this takes four years. Okay. So uh, someone can go to school for four years and they can come out with a degree in computer science. But what they launched more recently around COVID really was a boot camp. And so this boot camp is an alternative to spending four years in the university. And the boot camp takes about six months. So what's the price tag on the six months? Well, it is not um, half of a year of college. No. Half of a year of college at that university is only about $4,000, but the boot camp is $16,000. Mm. And just checking local prices, I can tell you that our cosmetology programs in this area average around 20,000. The barber colleges are around 15,000. Um, there's a local broadcasting diploma that's I think 15,000. Massage schools, again, 15,000, 20,000. These kinds of costs are the norm for these short-term training programs. And there are a lot of excellent trade schools, but Again, they can be very expensive and you just have to kind of go in with your eyes open. So one of the things that I want to share before we kind of jump in is I had my own trade school experience back in the late 80s. It's actually where I met my husband and I attended at what was at the time considered the best culinary school in the country. And so young chefs were recruited right out of this program. All of us had just stacks of multiple job offers when we were graduating. Now, it was a different time then. Culinary arts is more common now, but at the time it, it was pretty special. And it was a small program. Um, I think my program was 21 months. And in order to go, I borrowed $24,000. Now, that was in the 80s. So I can tell you um, that that program today is well into six figures. But of course, as a teenager, I had no money. Of course, right? So that program uh, would fit the definition of trade school and what we're talking about today. So the idea of all the types of programs that we're talking about today is not so much whether or not it's coming from a college or a for-profit or a nonprofit or a private entity. The idea is that the student goes in untrained and comes out job ready. And you're saying that the program that you did now is six figures? It is. It's so expensive. Oh my gosh. And, and how long did it, was it, two, what did you say? Was it two years? What was it? It was two years, just under two years. There was an internship in the middle that could uh, be a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, um, but it, wow. just under two years. And I met my husband there and it was a fantastic program. I mean, I, I truthfully uh, feel like I got the best education money could buy at that time. Um, but it's very expensive. And so if I were starting over again today, I might have a little bit of a different approach to how I would get that training or how I would advise someone to get that training. And so it's, it's a kind of a multi-prong question, you know, because you want to make sure that the program is going to be 
the right training and good training for the job, but you also do not want to be financially devastated for the rest of your life for getting that training. Right. Otherwise, you're, you're not really making a gain. Right. Right. So we, we want to know in today's episode, how do you pay for these kinds of programs, these very expensive programs without those devastating financial consequences? And, and I consider any program that you don't have cash for <laughs> to be to be a program that you need to plan for. Okay. So if you have the cash, you can just fast forward through the episode and, and pay for it and you're good to go. But most people don't have the cash saved up. And, and if they don't have the cash, what do you do? So I have a rule and I want to, and I want to start with the rule. Okay. You ready? Ready. Okay. So this is going to be for every kind of school or college or trade school or anything. And here's the rule. Never borrow for other people and never let other people borrow for you. Okay. Okay. So you can borrow for yourself, right? You can, um, you can certainly take a student loan. I'm not going to tell you not to do that. We're going to talk today a lot about how maybe you don't have to do that. Um, But if you're, if you're signing or co-signing a a loan uh, for someone or with someone that has enormous consequences if things go sideways. Mm. Absolutely enormous. And so we don't want anyone on this debt with you. If you're going to do this, it has to be you. So parents, grandparents, please do not borrow money for your kids. You can give them money. You can pay their tuition. You can send them cash. You can give them cash. Um, You can do like we do. We provide the housing, cook them dinner, (laughs) even help with the laundry. Just do not put your name on a loan and then expect them to pay that back. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could pull money from your savings or investment accounts. But this is all um, very intentional. Do not borrow money for their tuition and then have them pay you back. Do not co-sign for them and have them pay you back. This kind of a f- uh, financial partnership with anyone sets you up for ruining that relationship. And the relationship is way more important than school. So say yes to giving, right? Or you can even say no to giving, but don't borrow the money for them. Now, the other piece of that, students, please do not let your 75-year-old grandma co-sign on your loan, right? So if this educational path is important to you, then you're going to do what it takes. You're going to work through this and you're going to work it out so that you can pay for it. So you want to keep your relationships with grandma strong and keep her out of your financial relationship. So we don't want to, yeah, we, we don't want the relationship compromised here. So let's say in the event that something devastating happened and you couldn't finish the program, right? Heaven forbid you got hit by a bus and paralyzed or, or, you know, you dropped out or whatever that loan is still going to come due. And in some cases, it can even be immediately due. So that's financially going to ruin your grandparents, your parents. We don't want to do that. That's a real thing. Okay, so as we kind of go forward into these steps, if you're buying the degree, the diploma, the certificate, whatever it is, it is if it is expensive, and these might be expensive, right? This sounds a little bit harsh, but you need to get serious about paying for that yourself. So that's the ground rule, and that um, is rule number one. Never borrow for other people and never let other people borrow for you. Okay. All right, so step number one, here we go. Before you enroll, 
I want you to stockpile 50% of the cost of the program. So this needs to be where you start. Okay, so calculating out the total cost of the program. And the way you're gonna do this is you're gonna look on the website, you're gonna find out the total cost of the tuition, the books, the fees, the supplies, if there's tools, whatever all those costs are, okay? You need to stockpile cash for half the program. If you cannot save for half of the program, you need to delay starting. And this program, um, is gonna be a lot more doable if you're only worrying about the second 50%. And we're gonna talk about how to cover that second 50%, but the first 50% is the most important. So uh, just as an example, if you add it up and everything comes to $14,000, then you need to have 7,000 sitting in your bank account before you even have the conversation about enrolling. And that money can come from gifts, it can come from uh, selling things, right? Putting things on marketplace, selling things at a yard sale, Craigslist, whatever. If you can't get that 50%, I want you to pull back and pause and delay starting until you can. Keep looking, keep working, keep saving. Just keep, you might even find a cheaper program in the meantime, by the way, but just keep thinking about hitting that 50% mark. Because if you can hit that 50% mark, that's going to change a lot of things. Okay, so we're talking about you're graduating from high school and your next step is to save up for this money or if it's a gift, to, um, you're not going into community college in the meantime, you're, you're waiting until you have that, that half of that and then, then you apply. And if you, if you graduate in high school, you might have some presents coming, right? You might have some money from graduation, but you have the summer the summer is not the vacation. If you're serious about going into this program, the summer is the time to really start working hard and saving that money. Um, you might have generous parents that are willing to give you some of that money as well. Um, but that is gonna be your commitment to make sure that you're making a good decision. And I think that something psychologically happens when you make that contribution to your own finances and to your own education. So, you know, you mentioned, Shelly, you mentioned community college, but you can look and see if the community college has the same program. And, and why would you look? Because a community college is always gonna be regionally accredited. And if they're regionally accredited or nationally accredited, that usually means that you can apply for financial aid and you may even be eligible for Pell Grants, state grants, or even uh, state scholarships. Now, not all, not all programs participate in financial aid. For example, the boot camp that I mentioned at the start of the episode, that is not a, a financial aid eligible program. When a program is non-credit like that, when it's not worth college credit, if it's just a certificate or diploma or, or other program, you may not. But a community college is always going to have um, the resources to help you sort through financial aid. So if it's a financial aid eligible program, you might have that um, ability. Now, the Pell Grant can get you up to, well, just a little over 6000 per year if you're full-time enrolled. And not everyone's going to qualify for a Pell Grant, but that's a need-based scholarship. So if your financial need is there, it's possible that the Pell Grant could either cover a good portion of the program or even in some cases the entire program. Um, so if you, if you look at the math, at my community college here, they charge $76. And that's per credit no matter what you're studying. So 
if you're going to study history or if you're actually taking a class on how to code, it's $76 a credit. Okay, so one year of classes there is a, just about $2,300, give or take. So the way that I calculate that is I would take $76, which is my price per credit times 30, because that's what is considered full time. So that one year, if it costs me $2,300 and my Pell Grant is $6,000, guess what? The college is going to hand you over the difference. So this same program offered from a community college could actually pay you to take those classes. So I'll give you a perfect example. We have a cosmetology program at the community college. Again, all, the, all of the programs are still going to be the same cost. So it's $76 per credit for cosmetology. We also have private programs in our area that are $20,000. So if you are faced with these two different paths, you can certainly uh, see the advantage of using the community college in this case. And do you think an employer is going to see those differently? Well, not if you have to get the license. The license is ultimately the, the requirement to practice as right. a cosmetologist. So if you have a program where the students are graduating and getting their license, that means they have those competencies and those skills. So that is that system, that measure um, of competency is already worked into the credential. So a lot of the differences aren't really differences at all. They're just perceived differences that come through either from marketing or you know, the other things that entice students. We talked a little bit about experience versus the credential um, when we were in our last episode. And so some of that is, is perceived value, but at the end of the day, if, if both students are getting their license, then both of those credentials should be evaluated on that merit, right? Right. Uh, so, I mean, if you're not yet working, you can find a part-time job. This is another way to help get you through that first 50% and um, look for something you know close to home, close to school. If you already have a job, great. I mean, if you don't, that's definitely going to be the first step. And I say this to teenagers. Um, you know, studies show that when a person is a little bit busier, that you can actually get more accomplished and you become better at, at managing your time and getting these skills. So, just besides the fact that getting that extra cash is going to help you save up for this program. It can, it can also help with things like your living expenses, it could pay your phone, but it's all kind of about that act of discipline and that bringing that mindset to the process, right? And, and that's being in that healthy place of taking this seriously with maturity as an adult. And, you know, if you just graduated high school, you have a lot of hours in your week that you can devote to working. And it doesn't just have to be a few days a week. I mean, you can work 60 hours a week or more. You could even take on side hustles or side gigs. Um, if you're still in high school, obviously, then you're going to have less time. But remember, you if you are aiming for that first 50%, that is going to help you in so many ways, not only financially, but also having your mind in the right place as you move forward. You got the momentum going. You feel like you're ahead of the game if you have that money socked away and it's real it, i mean sometimes when we don't have a concept of let's say twelve thousand dollars we don't know what that is we we have maybe we've got 
a young person who's never had the opportunity to earn $12,000. So therefore, it's hard for them to know how how big of a loan would that be? How much money is that? How long does it take to, to do that? So if, if you have, as a parent, if you have your students saving up that 50%, that changes everything. That changes their understanding of a dollar. They understand then how much money it's going to cost. Um, now, one thing I'll just add in there is you can find out some of these programs may require the price of tuition before you start and others are going to bill you as you go. So for instance, if you were doing the boot camp that I mentioned, you would pay that at the beginning. But if you went to the community college, you're gonna pay as you go. So we'll talk more about that in a minute, um, but that's, that's the beginning. The beginning step is getting 50% of the total cost saved and, and set aside. Okay, so next I wanna talk about the living expenses because the living expenses are going to be part of of the experience while you're in school and did you know that you can borrow all of your living expenses <laughs> <laughs> from who <laughs> <laughs> from sally may oh, sally no. may will give you all of the living expenses here's what i'm going to say do not borrow money for living expenses that would be probably the single worst financial decision you could ever make. Now the college will not charge you for living expenses. So this is where sometimes people get a little bit confused, but you actually have total control here. Now, if if you see on on your program's website that it talks about living expenses, really be clear. If they're requiring you to live on campus or something like that, then it's it's possible that the living expenses are going to be a required cost but 99% of the time, that's not the case. So if you're a teen living at home, this is a no-brainer. You're just gonna stay at home, okay? That's gonna be the, the lowest cost way to do this. And that's, a, that's easy to do. Now, single adults, I hate to even say what I'm gonna say, but perhaps you could temporarily live back home with your parents uh, if they live close enough to the school. I mean, it's. I know that's not maybe what what you want to hear. I will say our oldest son did that. He he came home on weekends and, and lived with us so that he could work his old job while he was in school. And then during the week, he had a small apartment with a roommate. Um, but, you know, kind of thinking about these living expenses is important because if you're going to be living away from home or supporting yourself, then that's going to add a lot of cost. Yeah, I, I remember that I had to move back home to to save up some money and but it almost seems today that more youth are willing to do that they're not bothered by that do you do you sense that well i mean i we have a, a pretty good environment here with our sons and right. and everybody is acting you know behaving pretty well yeah. so i don't have a problem with, <laughs> i don't have a problem with right. them living home um to get their schooling done um they're appreciative but you know i mean if 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 they can't live at home or if the school's too far away or whatnot, I mean, that's, that's fine. But my advice would be to get roommates, lots right. and lots of roommates. I mean, if you do the math, a one bedroom apartment is not going to be a significantly different price than a three bedroom apartment. And the difference here is that you can rent out those other two rooms 
and that would generate income. So that could help you not only pay your rent, but you might be able to get a little extra above and beyond what you're what you've got in place for your own um, own living expenses there. Right. But if you're if you're already married, if you're already you know an adult, then you already have a budget set up. I mean, you already are covering your living expenses. And so going to school may not change your living expenses for you. And don't think that you need to stop working and move somewhere in order to get trained. Because most of the time, if, if you can, you can commute and you can just simply keep your living expenses going. Now, if your budget is currently you know such that it's very expensive to live where you're living you may need to cut back just a little bit and downgrade your lifestyle but you know this is temporary this is just until you get trained this is not going to be forever and remember these these programs tend to be a shorter length in time right so we might be talking about um living on ramen for six months yeah. <laughs> and and then going back to to your other lifestyle once you start your new job. Yeah, it's all delayed gratification. You know, how good are you, are you at that? Right. So you just keep working the puzzle, right? So, you know, how, however you might do this, maybe you even have that extra room you want to put on Airbnb. What, whatever you want to do, you know, just look at it creatively. And the point here, the takeaway, is just to not borrow a single penny for living expenses. And I would say write down on a piece of paper what the goal is to be debt free so that you and then write down the reason why that's good to be debt free and then put it somewhere. So when you start to waver, you have something written that you can go look at and remind yourself. I love that. That's a fantastic tip. I love that. Yeah. Because sometimes it's hard. It's hard when you see other people that seem to have it a little bit easier. But this will pay off. This will pay off if you can get through this program. So you've got your first 50% saved in cash before you start. We've agreed on that. Okay. And no one is going to borrow for you. You're not going to borrow for anyone else. So this is all you. You're not going to borrow for your living expenses. You're going to work on a tight budget for that. So now we have to figure out the last 50%. So how can you cash flow the last 50%? So it does matter to some degree how this is going to be billed. All right. So this, this does influence a little bit the decision here. Some programs, they want prepayment in full on day one. Okay. Others don't. So let's start with the easy one. Okay. The easy one is when they do not need that full payment up front on day one. All right. Now, an example there would be like the college, like the community college. They bill you every semester. Um, and you may have a, a program that that has shorter billing cycles, maybe trimesters or quarters or things like that. But so this is a little bit easier. So if you are going into a program that does not bill you all in advance, you got this. OK, this is this is going to be the the strategy here that's going to help you get all the way through. So. Number one, do not borrow the money when it's not going to be due immediately, right? We've got our first 50%. You don't need to start worrying about that second 50% until you're into the program. 
You do not have to have that immediately. You can work and you can save and you can get there. Why? Why is that a good idea? Well, I think it's a good idea because it helps you beat the odds. So let's talk about this for just a second. You really need a proof of concept. So if you have the money for the first half, all right, and in the first half is when you're going to discover if you like it, if you're good at it, if you can pass your classes, if it's what you expect, all of these things you're going to learn as you're going. So not having to worry about paying while you're learning whether or not this is a good fit is really important. So you're not borrowing anything at this point. Right now you're just cash flowing. You're using the cash that you already had while you kind of find your feet in the program. And that is proof of concept. Um, I have heard from many people when they started a program that it was not a match. And how horrible to have borrowed only to find out that it's not a match. So having that money ready to go so that you don't have to pay anything I'm sorry that you don't have to borrow anything, that you're able to just pay using your cash for the very beginning. That's your proof of concept. So you're in there and you're doing great. Now, if it's a disaster, okay, yes, you will have spent some of your cash to learn that it was a disaster. But guess what? Thank goodness you didn't borrow money to learn that. So you got out, you stepped away. Maybe you're rethinking this career field. Maybe you're thinking of something else, but you got to do that without any debt. And we have a lot of people walking around who did not finish their credential who have student loan debt. So do not fall into that trap. So use your cash to pay for that first half. By the time you get to the second half of the program, not only are you that much closer to finishing and you're making sure that you have passed your classes, but if you are going to end up borrowing, you're not borrowing for the full amount. You've only got half to go. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, and you know, what about if you have your roommates that are covering your rent, generating a little bit of extra cash? I mean, you can even hold that money and get ready to use that for the second half. Now, also, we're going to talk about it in a second, but while all this is going on, while you're in the first half of your program, I mean, you're going to be applying to scholarship, uh, for scholarships and all of these different pieces all go into bringing that goalpost as close as possible and getting over that goalpost without debt. So we're, we've got a few more here, okay? Now, before we go on though to the next thing, let's talk about what happens when your money is gonna be due in full upfront on day one. So this is sometimes the case with the short programs and there's, um, there's a little bit of a change here. So in this case, you need to have 100% in order to start. In other words, they're gonna give you a bill for the full cost of the entire program before they let you go into class on day one. And this is, of course, you know, gonna depend on your discipline for working and grinding during the program. But the more that you save before you start, the easier this is gonna be. And this is when we really need to think about tapping into other sources of money. This is when if you've got grandparents and parents who have offered to give you money for school, if you have a college fund or anything, that is that is where I want you to use it. I want you to use it for that second 50% so that you can have it all together on day one. So the first 50% you've worked and earned yourself, if you're getting gifts, don't count that as your first 50. <laughs> Save that 
keep working and keep building that so that you have more money to start. And the more that you get uh, from your grandparents and your parents and things like that, the, the easier this is going to be. But it's still very, very important to, to do that. You may even delay starting just a little bit so that you can get more money saved. But the other is scholarships. So there are scholarships. And we're not talking about you filling out you know, an application here or there and then whining about not getting the scholarship. But we are talking about filling out scholarships like it's a job. Okay, so I mean, you're going to be filling out scholarships often and on a regular basis. We've got some websites that are legitimate websites for finding scholarships. We'll put those in the show notes down below. But your your student can fill out scholarships. You can fill out scholarships. Um, everyone can fill out scholarships. And not only do you do this before you start, but you can do this even while you're in the program. So that's not going to change. And here's a good rule of thumb. For every $500 that you need, I want you to fill out one scholarship. So if you need $1,000, you're going to fill out two scholarships. If you need $5,000, you're going to fill out 10. If you need $100,000, please don't go into the program. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. But for every, for every bit of money you need, that's going to help guide you through the process. And you should fill out, gosh, 20 maybe 20 applications a week. It's not, it's not the big deal that it sounds like because if you can, um, let's say you write an essay, you know, you can save that essay. You can use that for many scholarships. You don't have to just use new content every time you, you fill out an application. So think of this as a part-time job. Think of this as something that you can do in the evenings on the side to apply for these scholarships, you know, and the likelihood of finding these perfectly aligned scholarships is probably not going to happen. So you might have to keep doing this and watching and applying as they come up. But, you know, my advice is unless you're specifically excluded from the scholarship, you should apply for it. Because often people think that, you know, they might not be the best candidate, so they don't even bother. But if everyone feels that way, then your chances are better. So unless the scholarship is excluding you for some reason, then go ahead and apply. So we'll have those links in the show notes on the bottom. And I will tell you that there are scholarships for every imaginal, imaginable vocation. Um, I've seen scholarships for things like cosmetology, for heavy equipment operator, for anything related to healthcare, for anything related to IT or STEM. So there are scholarships no matter what field you're going into. And that is going to be an important piece in how strategic you are and how aggressive you are at getting through these. And of course, you know, we mentioned a little bit about Pell Grants. Not every trade school is going to participate in the federal student um, loan program, but if yours does, and if you have the financial need, then again, you may qualify for a Pell Grant. And the Pell Grant rule of thumb is it's roughly $6,000 a year. So if you do qualify, depending on how the school has set up the distribution of that grant, um, it could all be applied to your account on day one, or it may be broken down. But if your school does participate in federal financial aid, there'll be a financial aid office at the school, and they'll be able to kind of talk to you about that and um, guide you through how that works. The uh, free application for federal student aid, people call it FAFSA, is the online application. That's not a loan. 
but rather it's the application that gets you started in the system. So you'll fill that form out and that's gonna check you for eligibility. And you'll find out if you do qualify for a Pell Grant or, or if not, that's good to know too. Um, you, will, you will never qualify for more though than that Pell Grant amount. So a lot of times people get the idea that if they um, qualify for student loans and student aid, that they're gonna be given a lot of different monies, but that's not generally the case. You're either going to get a, a Pell Grant, which is a financial need grant, or you're gonna take out a loan. Everything else is a scholarship. And so if the college has those, if the trade school has those, those will be awards that they can talk to you about how to qualify for. But really, there's no magic here. You're either getting it based on your financial need, and that's going to be about $6,000 or less, or you're going to borrow it. And so you can use those numbers as you move forward and as you start to plan. Okay, and there's something with uh, scholarships, apprenticeships, right? I mean, uh, I mean, I think apprenticeship is a fantastic way. So this is going to be this is going to be another strategy that you can use. I mean, many of the occupations that are learnable through a trade school program are also learnable through apprenticeship. Sometimes these are formal apprenticeships. Sometimes they're informal apprenticeships. Um, but for example, if you're looking at like building trades, right? So construction, uh, carpentry, masonry, electrical, plumbing, things like that. These are going to be a all occupations where you can do an apprenticeship. And I will just tell you on a side note, we have a large company here in North Carolina that has, because they just couldn't find enough qualified people, they've created their own in-house apprenticeship program. And so they have a, a two-year program and you get paid while you're in the program. They do all their own training of all of their own employees. And when you finish this program, you go into a six-figure full-time position. I mean, it literally costs you nothing. So you may have opportunities for learning this particular trade without paying anything. Um, there's even apprenticeships in the financial banking and, in, and uh, finance. There's apprenticeships in culinary, which is part of the program I was involved in. There's apprenticeships in cybersecurity, in data ana um, analytics, manufacturing, um, Gosh, there's just so many different kinds of, of apprenticeship programs. So when you're looking at apprenticeship, you're basically getting two things. You're getting on-the-job training, and that is almost always paid. It's not the same as an internship where it's often free. But then you're getting related instruction. So the related instruction piece, this can happen at a college or at some kind of a school. It, it might result in a degree, not always. Um, I hate to generalize, but it's just so varied that it, it could really be, you know, one of a million different things. But one thing that is true, though, is that you should not have to pay for your related instruction. So this is almost always funded by the employer. And in some cases, it could be funded by your state. And if your apprenticeship program is linked to a degree that's, let's say, run through the community college, then that tuition is usually covered. And that would be as long as you're in the apprenticeship program. So 99 times out of 100, if you're doing an apprenticeship, it's not going to cost you anything and you are going to get paid for it. So um, apprenticeship is a fantastic program opportunity and highly, highly recommend it. Right. Search, ask, 
don't be, you know don't be afraid to ask when you when you think oh no they couldn't possibly have that ask don't be embarrassed yes and it might be hard to find i i mean there's often um a lot of disconnect between these kinds of programs especially since sometimes they're small so it's not it's not always possible to just ask in one place like if you go to your community college and you ask if they know about apprenticeships they might not know so you know googling and asking other people, asking companies directly if they have any of these kinds of programs, that's going to be that's going to be important too, because they they can be hard to find. So I want to recap. Okay, so let's let's recap. Before you're enrolling, do you remember what you have to do? <laughs> you have to save fifty percent. Yes, please <laughs> save fifty percent. Go through the hard work of having that ready to go, because if you have that ready to go, you are going to be so much closer and so much more likely of finishing. Number two, do not borrow your living expenses. It's okay to live home. It's okay to have a million roommates, but that's going to help you. And then cash flow, the remaining 50%. And part of that process is going to be applying for scholarships like it's another job. And working as you go, if you can, right, um, and making your making your process deliberate and intentional. And even if you have to slow down just a little bit so that you can cash flow, it means that you get to graduate and you'll be debt free. And that's very important to having a good, successful career. It's also very important for getting to keep that paycheck. All that hard work becomes yours. So we love trade school and apprenticeship. You know, where else can you get in, get trained, and have a good job waiting for you on the other end? So in today's episode, we hope that you learned a lot of helpful ways to pay for trade school or other alternatives like apprenticeship. And we hope that you can cash flow that process to get through your program without debt. So join us next time when we look at more resourceful ways to shave time and money off of your credential. So until then, I'm Jennifer Cook-DeRosa. And I'm Shelley Cloutier. And you've been listening to College on the Cheap.